Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Jesus Christ's resurrection changed history and eternity. When Jesus rose from the dead, he demonstrated that he is the Son of God and that he has conquered sin and death forever. Here at New Life, we've been focusing on experiencing God unreserved ever since last September. That means if we're going to live into God fully, then we need to go all in with him. And why wouldn't we go all in for someone who lived a perfect life, died in our place, and then rose from the dead to demonstrate that he is indeed the Son of God? Those who trust Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord have the power of his Holy Spirit to experience God's presence every day. That's how Jesus expects us to live. Hi, everybody. I'm Pastor Chris, the pastor of New Life Christian Ministries. We're so glad you're with us. Whether you're watching online for the very first time or you've been watching online with us during this COVID-19 situation, we're glad you're with us. As a little boy growing up in Gypsy, Pennsylvania on Easter mornings, my brother Ken and I put on a suit and tie to go to church. Now, that was a very unusual thing for us. A lot of men and boys wore suits and ties to church back 50 years ago, but not Ken and I. Only on Easter morning did we wear our suit and tie, and we went off to Gypsy Christian Church with my mom, who was always wearing her best dress. Back in those days, Easter Day was the most important day in the church year. We didn't have Christmas Eve services at Gypsy Christian. We celebrated Christmas at home, of course, but the big day in church was Easter. And I remember when I was about six years old, I think maybe six or seven, Pastor Max Doriani was our pastor, and he was telling about the Easter story. Pastor Doriani was a Russian. Now, he had been in the Russian military. He was actually an officer in the Russian military, and he had escaped from Russia during World War II. He had become a Christian. Obviously, he was an atheist, but he somehow came to know Jesus Christ as his Savior and Lord, and he wanted to come to America where he could live out his newfound faith and freedom. And he eventually went to seminary, became a pastor, and he became the pastor at Gypsy Christian Church. Well, I don't remember much about Pastor Doriani. All I remember is his thick Russian accent, and I remember that I was scared to death of the man. Now, remember, this was 1963. America and Russia were at odds with each other. In fact, they wanted to destroy each other, if you listen to the rhetoric. So I, I would go to church every Sunday morning, and I would sit there with my butt glued to the seat, and I wouldn't move a muscle because I was afraid that Pastor Doriani was going to hurt me. Now, I know that's an irrational fear, but then huh, six-year-olds tend to have a lot of irrational fears. Anyway, one Easter morning, Pastor Doriani was preaching about Jesus' resurrection. He had told us about how Jesus had died on Good Friday, how he had been laid in the tomb. And then he said this, and on the third day, <laughs> on the third day. So my brother Ken and I, we knew it was the most serious day of the year. It was the most important day of the year, but we looked at each other and we just started laughing. Now, I understand that's first grade humor, the third day, but you have to admit it's pretty hard to think about the resurrection after that's the way you introduce it. But Jesus did rise on the third day. In fact, Jesus rose from the dead, and that's the basis of our faith. And in the Apostle Paul's teaching, he was a, a first century pastor and church planter, and he planted a church in the place of Corinth. This is what he wrote about the resurrection. He said, but tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. 
And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. If our hope in Jesus Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. The reason many Christians have been just as afraid as everybody else during this whole COVID-19 pandemic is because we have forgotten this basic truth. Jesus rose from the dead, and so will we. As Jesus followers, we don't need to fear death because he has already led us through that. Today's message is titled, We Follow Jesus. It's the first of our seven-week series, Experiencing New Life. Now, experiencing new life is a title with a double meaning. First of all, experiencing new life obviously means experiencing new life through Jesus Christ. But it also means experiencing new life Christian ministries. During these seven weeks, we're going to go through new life's core values, the seven biblical beliefs that identify us as a unique church family. We start with we follow Jesus because nothing and no one is more important than Jesus Christ. Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith, according to the writer of the Hebrews. Jesus is first and last when it comes to people of importance. This is Easter day. It's the day that we remember what Jesus set apart, what set Jesus apart from every other religious teacher. Think about it. There were a lot of religious teachers down through the centuries who had great philosophical teachings, great even theological teachings, things they said about God, but every single one of them died. Jesus also died, but Jesus set himself apart because Jesus rose from the dead. We still get to follow Jesus. We still get to experience Jesus, not just through his teachings. We do that, but we get to follow Jesus because he rose again from the dead. We can still follow him personally because he is alive. Our take-home point tells us why we follow him. Now, if you're watching online for the first time, the take-home point, a little bit funny during these times when we're all at home anyway, but it's a time when we want to learn something that we're going to take home from Scripture and we're going to live it out in the week ahead so we can follow Jesus more effectively. So here it is. Following Jesus leads to experiencing him unreserved. Following Jesus leads to experiencing him unreserved. We don't, all, we don't go all in for Jesus until we start following him. And we certainly aren't going to follow him unless he's worth following. When we know Jesus claimed to be God's son... And then we realize that he rose from the dead to demonstrate this. Well, then we realize he's worth following. The apostle Paul told the Corinthian believers that he had put all of his eggs in the Jesus basket. If Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, then Paul was basically teaching a worthless reality. And the Corinthian believers were still dead in their sins. But Jesus had risen from death. That's the point. Jesus had done everything that he claimed to be. He had said that he was God. He had said that he would be crucified for our sins. He said he would rise from death, and he did. And so because Jesus did all of those things, he's worth following. If Jesus had not risen from the dead, we would still be dead in our sins because he died in our place. That's the theology of Christianity. 
It says that we were sinners, that we were separated from God because of our sin, and God had put a death penalty on our lives because of that sin, and Jesus, the son of the living God, came to the earth to die in our place. He paid the penalty, and he did. But if that's all he had done, had paid the penalty and hadn't risen from the dead, then he wouldn't be God. But he did rise from the dead. So Jesus rose from the dead, and that's why we celebrate. For some, this is old news. Actually, probably for most of us, but for some of you, maybe you're hearing this for the very first time. So let's turn to Matthew's account of Jesus' resurrection. It's the first of four accounts of Jesus' life teaching, death, resurrection, and return to heaven that we have in the Bible. We're going to turn to Matthew 28, which is the final chapter in Matthew's gospel. We call it a gospel. It's good news is what it means. But before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day, this day in which we celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead after conquering sin and death. And God, right now, I pray that that same resurrection power that raised Jesus would live in our lives, that we would have that same power, that same spirit as we live in these troubled and difficult times. God, we pray that you would use us to spread the good news, the message of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, of his sending of your spirit to us who believe in him so that everyone might know the joy of living that resurrection life and experiencing God, you God, unreserved. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. So if you have a Bible or Bible app with you, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, verse 1? You'll also be able to see it on the screen. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. If you've read the four accounts of Jesus' resurrection, which are called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then you know that they are not identical. Some have looked at those four accounts and seen the differences, and they've said, that proves that Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. These are just stories that are made up. Otherwise, they would be the same. Now, in my experience, when I hear four stories from four different people about one event, and they're exactly the same, that's when I say, that's a lie. Nobody can see the same thing and experience it exactly the same way and say exactly the same thing. They, they must have rehearsed their story. So Matthew told his account from a Jewish perspective. Matthew was a Jew, and he wrote to people who had been Jews before they came to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Now, he emphasized details that would be important to that audience. The Holy Spirit certainly guided his writing, and yet the details focus on matters that Jews would have found more important than Gentiles. 
If you're not familiar with the term Gentile, a Gentile is simply anyone who isn't a Jew. Anyway, Matthew focused on the guards who had been posted outside Jesus' tomb because the Jewish religious leaders had heard Jesus say he was going to rise from the dead, and so they wanted to make sure that his disciples didn't come along, steal the body, and then claim that Jesus had risen from the dead. Now, if you know anything at all about what happened on what we call Good Friday when Jesus was crucified and laid in the tomb, you know how unlikely it would be that the disciples would actually have come to steal Jesus' body. They were scared to death. They thought the Jewish religious leaders would turn them over to the Romans and the same thing that happened to Jesus would happen to them. So there was really no danger that those disciples were going to steal Jesus' body. But Matthew tells us early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothing was white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Sunday morning was the third day. Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday to Sunday, that's two days. And you would be right if you're thinking like a 21st century Westerner. But in those days, the Jewish people saw any part of a day as a day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three days, or the third day. Jesus rose on the third day. Now, it says two women came to the tomb, Mary Magdalene. And the other Mary. The other Mary is Jesus' mother. If you read the four gospel accounts, what you find out is that Mark tells us it was three women who came to the tomb. Luke tells us women came to the tomb, just women, some women, don't t- doesn't tell us how many. And then John tells us it was just one woman, Mary Magdalene. So the details vary, but the message is the same. The first witness or witnesses of Jesus' resurrection was a woman or women. That's incredibly significant because in those days, women were not allowed to give testimony in courts of law. If you were making a story up about Jesus rising from the dead, you certainly wouldn't have women be the first witnesses because they couldn't even testify to it in a court of law. The brave soldiers posted outside of Jesus' tomb fell into a dead faint. The women didn't. Now, they heard the angel's message. What we are told is one angel told them the message in Matthew in Mark one angel, but in Luke and John, we're told two angels. Now, the point here is, once again, the angel's message is the same. Jesus isn't here because he has risen. That's the point. We follow Jesus because he walked out of the grave. You know, we're all going to go to the grave someday. We're all going to die unless Jesus comes back first. The COVID-19 pandemic has made it clear how fragile we human beings are. If this is all there is, then pity us for following Jesus. But Jesus wasn't in the tomb. He had risen. Matthew tells us the women obeyed the angel and ran to tell the disciples Jesus had risen and would meet them in Galilee. As they ran to find the disciples, they met Jesus. They fell at his feet and they worshiped him. Now, John's gospel tells us it was just Mary Magdalene. And when she grabbed a hold of Jesus' feet, he said, don't touch me because I haven't yet gone to my father. But here, Jesus simply reiterates the angel's message, go find my brothers and tell them to meet me in Galilee. Think about this. Jesus' first message after the resurrection was for his brothers, the disciples, to follow him to Galilee. The identifying characteristic of Christians, of disciples, of apostles is we follow Jesus. The women took the message to the men, and here's what happened next. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. 
When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. If you read the four gospels and the book of Acts, you find out that Jesus either talked to his disciples for the last time from a hill outside of Jerusalem or one outside of Galilee, about a hundred miles apart. But the point is this, Jesus gave the disciples some final instructions to follow and then he returned to heaven. If the first core value of new life is we follow Jesus, then it's important to understand that following Jesus means both walking after him and doing what he commanded. If we want to experience new life, then we're going to have to go where Jesus leads us and we're going to have to do what Jesus calls us to do. Let's look again at these final verses of Matthew 28. It says, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Now, why in the world would Matthew say some of them doubted? (laughs) Because some of them doubted. John tells us in his gospel that Thomas was not there when Jesus first appeared to them after he had risen from the dead. And so what happened is Thomas said, I'm not going to believe it. I, in other words, Thomas doubted. We often call Thomas doubting Thomas. He eventually didn't doubt. So all of them gathered together and some of them, we don't know how many, a few, maybe a couple, doubted that Jesus was alive. Then it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We call this the Great Commission. As Jesus' followers, it's our blueprint for action. Jesus has all authority in heaven on earth. Why is that important? The implication is he was transferring that authority to the disciples, and now he has transferred that authority to us. As we go out, we have the authority of Jesus wherever we go, and the authority is to make disciples of all the nations. Now, there's a significant thing from a grammatical standpoint in this brief passage. The only verb in Jesus' command is make disciples. Well, every English translation starts with go, which is a verb, and the New Living Translation also uses the verb teach. In reality, those verbs are participles in the original passage, so it's going, baptizing, teaching, and the only verb is make disciples. Well, what's the point? Why would I bring that up? Well, I bring it up because of this. That means to make disciples, we must go baptize and teach. Where do we go? We go to all the nations. Jesus never left Israel during his earthly ministry. Jesus told his disciples while he was on earth with them that when they go out, they were only supposed to go to the lost sheep of the people of Israel. That means just the Israelites. So they never left Israel while Jesus was with them. But right before he returned to heaven, Jesus told them to go out into all of the world. Jesus was serious about us going to the ends of the earth to tell people about him and to call people to follow him. Why? Because Jesus is the resurrected king of the universe. And no one but him deserves our ultimate allegiance. 
If we're going to experience God all in, we must follow Jesus. If you're thinking that seems exclusive, Chris, are you saying that Muslims, Buddhists, atheists, Hindus, others aren't going to heaven? Are you saying that their faith isn't valid as, as it is to follow Jesus? No, I'm not saying that. Jesus is the one who said it. Jesus rose from the dead. It doesn't matter what I say or what I believe. Jesus rose from the dead to demonstrate his authority over heaven and earth. We are called to follow him, which means to go everywhere, tell people about him, and make disciples of people everywhere in the world. Jesus said we're to baptize the disciples in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is vital for Jesus' followers. We baptize those who have responded to Jesus' call to follow him. And why do we do that? Because it demonstrates that we've turned away from our old life, and now we're living a new life. Jesus' apostle Paul said this about baptism. He said, we are dying to the old self, the old life, and we are being buried. And then when we come up out of the water, we live a new life with him. Finally, Jesus said following him means teaching these new disciples to obey everything he commanded. We live in a world of whatever, right? You do you, I'll do me. Uh, whatever you believe is good for you, and whatever I believe is good for me. That isn't what Jesus said. Jesus said, what I say is good for you is good for you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Why does Jesus get to say those things, and why do they have to apply to us? Why do we have to do them? Because he is risen. He is risen indeed. We have to address that. Either Jesus is who he says he is, or else he's a liar. Now, if he's a liar, then we don't have to worry about what he says. If Jesus is a liar, then we can just do whatever. But if Jesus is who he says he is, then we must follow wherever he leads. It always comes down to that. The reason Easter is the most important day of the year for those who follow Jesus is Easter morning showed us that Jesus deserves to be followed. If you have never followed Jesus, if you've thought, well, it doesn't really matter what you believe, it doesn't really matter what you do, consider this. Jesus said he's the only way to heaven. Now, if you believe that, then act on it. If you don't, then I pray, I really pray that God will change your heart. If you want to put your trust in Jesus right now for the very first time and follow him as Savior and Lord, then look at this prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to save me from sin and death. I admit I need his salvation. Come in and take away my sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can follow him right now. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If that's the desire of your heart right now, I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer with me. Right where you are, in your home, at work, wherever, just look to the Lord and pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to save me from sin and death. I admit I need his salvation. Come in and take away my sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can follow him right now. This I ask in Jesus' name, amen. The only way to experience God unreserved is to follow Jesus. And that's why today's next step is this. I will follow Jesus wherever he leads me this week. I will follow Jesus wherever he leads me this week. How simple and yet not always easy. Following Jesus wherever he leads will take you to some places that you might never have thought you would go. I came back recently from India. I never thought I'd go to India. 
but I followed Jesus there. The good news is as we follow Jesus wherever he leads, we'll experience his presence, and as he promised, he will be with us to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that your son Jesus is alive, that he is your son, the son of the living God. We thank you that he's the savior of the world and the Lord of each and every one of us who trust him. And God, I pray today that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we will follow wherever Jesus leads us this week so that you may be glorified. And I pray for any person who prayed that prayer to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord in this moment, that you will fill them anew and fresh right now with your Holy Spirit, that they can live for you today and always. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.